You're listening to the Vendo Podcast. All right. Um, well, let's get started. Uh, hi, everyone. Today, we have the pleasure of talking with Andrea Blyden, CEO of Lime Crime. And let me tell you a little bit about this rock star. Andrea is an e-commerce pioneer who began her career working in the trenches of several e-commerce platforms and startups in the early days of digitally driven commerce. Her expertise allowed her to quickly climb the ladder to vice president of brand and retail marketing at Kiehl's before leaving the for the body shop in 2016. After spending one year as the VP of marketing, she was promoted to general manager of the U.S. and held that role until joining Lime Crime as CEO in May 2020. So, Andrea, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, you took the helm at Lime Crime during the start of COVID. Gosh, <laughs> what problems did you face internally just from day one? Um, well, yeah, it was definitely an interesting time, but I think regardless of starting a role, being in the role I was already in, there was, there was complexity no matter what and navigating a lot of unknown situations. So when I started, a portion of the team was on furlough. So, um, I had a, I, I would say one of the most challenging things was probably having to figure out like who you were bringing back from furlough without actually knowing the people. Mm -hmm. So like it was all people I had never met. Right. <laughs> and, uh, so unlike, you know, where if I'd stayed in my current role where I know the people, I know the players, like I could kind of navigate that a bit more smoothly. Um, I would say that was automatically the most challenging of situations. And I think just personally, I was living in New York. Mm. So I knew I was making a move to LA for this role. So I was also navigating like moving out of New York in COVID and back to LA. Oh, geez. And so that was interesting in itself. But from a professional standpoint, I would say that uh, navigating the team dynamics and furlough and uncertainty with the team and uncertainty with a new leader, all of that and how you build trust with the team was mm -hmm. probably the, the biggest challenges I faced when I first joined Lime Crime. Was there anything that you did? I mean, like, like you said, I think, you know, building trust with a new team is, is very important, of course. And so what, was there anything that you implemented? I mean, I don't know, daily Zoom calls for 10 hours? I don't, I don't know, but... <laughs> Was there anything uh, that, that what, what did you do to try to build that trust? Yeah, so it's a good question. So my first week, um, I did about like 40 individual, like one-on-one -on -one introductions. So I met the whole entire team my first week. Mm. Um, it was a lot of meeting time for me and, you know, pretty back-to-back. But I really wanted to make sure that everyone, I, I had met everyone individually my, my at the very start. So that I did in the first five days of joining Lime Crime. And then I held like my first all hands meeting on that first Friday. So I met the whole entire team, uh, did the first all hands, kind of presented uh, what I thought like some of the changes in the beginnings of building the strategy out for the business were, took everyone through all of that. And, uh, you know, introduce them all to me. I'm, I'm pretty much 
I'm a very open book. So I think that helps in this situation where you're a new leader starting virtually, like I, I share whatever you want me to share, whatever questions you ask, it's a safe space. So I, I think that allowed me to work a bit smoother in this environment and navigating that unknown with a brand new team. Yeah, yeah, and being open and, and having that, that, just that openness, I'm sure, allowed the team to feel um, nurtured in, in, in a way, I'm sure. Just, uh, you know, easier to be able to come to you and talk to you knowing that, like you said, you're an open book. I hope so. <laughs> so um, with the Lime Crime brand, when you were looking at, when you saw this opportunity, what opportunities did you see that the brand was missing? And where did you see an opportunity to broaden its consumer base? Yeah, so I think, you know, even given that I started in COVID, uh, we had a really interesting shift in the business. So the, the business was predominantly driven by makeup in the past. And in COVID, as people were at home, they were more open to exploring different ways of expressing themselves. Mm -hmm. They were open to dyeing their hair pink and purple and blue. You know, there were no dress code mandates from schools or from office uniforms. So we saw this like huge openness in April and May, right as I was joining to really try hair color. And that was something that was, you know, a side category to make up in the past. So for us, that really gave us the opportunity to like really look at hair as like a fundamental core business for Lime Crime and figure out the right distribution path for it. And uh, not only the right distribution path, but how do we tap into that hair color consumer that is going on their first at-home hair journey? Like what kind of content do they need right. to dye their hair at home? Because I quickly experienced it, you know, the team had sent me product and I went online because I have dark brown hair and I was like, okay, I have purple hair dye. How do I use it? And then I kept like looking for content and I, was, I literally could not find a lot of information. And then I was reading the box and I was like, how, how long do I keep this on my hair? And so uh, I had no idea what I was getting into. Luckily, uh, I was down to experiment and I just like put the hair dye on my hair and left it on and uh, had a tint of purple in my hair because I didn't realize like it 100% was not gonna show up on my brown hair. So uh, there was just a, a lot of things that were missing in the shopper journey that were really highlighted because, you know, this category requires a lot of education. And because it wasn't like the primary focus for this team, mm -hmm. uh, there was so much opportunity for us to provide our consumers with like, real educational content. So you you went through the customer journey, which I think is just uh, excellent. No great way for you to put yourself in, in, in someone's shoes. Um, but you also said that you noticed the, um, the opportunity of uh, that people were, you know, using hair color to express themselves. How did you see that? Were you guys online and just seeing this on Instagram, seeing this on, on different social, you know, platforms? Is that how you saw that? I mean, also just to hear sales. Okay. okay. So there you go. <laughs> when, when you look at, you know, our business in April, in April, March, April, and May of COVID, like the beginning time of COVID, I mean, like the business just totally changed yeah. overnight. So 
I, I think that was like the initial indicator. And then you started seeing everything in the social space. And then you started, started seeing like all um, digital press coming out around coloring your hair pink. And you started seeing celebrities like Hillary Duff coloring her hair. And then everyone wanted that uh, color hair dye. So there are so many different indicators that uh, hair was going to be like a huge piece of this business. Yeah, I was um, when, uh, you know, full disclosure, um, you know, you're a, a Vendo partner. We do, you know, manage a uh, lime crime on Amazon and walmart.com and are extremely excited to be doing so. Uh, so when we were talking and, you know, before we uh, partnered up for Amazon, um, one of the things that, um, that, well, this is what happened to me. I was driving, I was in a, a Starbucks in the, you know, drive through line. And the gentleman who was giving me my coffee, he, um, you know, African-American gentleman had a shock of like um, bright blue, you know, hair. And I was, had been talking to you probably the day prior. And, and he told me it was a Lime Crime. I asked him and he said it was a Lime Crime product. I was, I was so excited. How it just made me think, wow, you know, Lime Crime is really touching many different communities that um, you people may not think would be, um, you know, I don't know, dyeing their hair or whatnot. Ha have you seen an opportunity in, um, you know, you, you know, different communities, communities of color, um, uh, you, you know, LGBTQ, you know, have you seen other opportunities there? And, and how have you gone after that if you have? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think one of the, the original things that I did when I started was really look at our influencer base. Mm. and broaden the people that we use. Yeah. So um, we completely pivoted our influencer strategy to be much more inclusive than it's ever been in the past. And it's something we really pride ourselves on because one, I mean, the, the beauty industry needs to be broad. It, it reaches tons of different consumers, tons of different races and genders and everything. But Lime Crime as a brand is all about self-expression. And uh, we just want you to have fun with our product and have fun with color. And we don't care who you are. You could be any age range. You could be any gender. You could be any uh, sexual preference, preference. Like, we do not mind. Please come play with our color and have fun with it. And yeah. I think that's the most important part is as long as you can use our color and feel your best with your vibrant purple hair or blue hair, like we, we just want you, we want people to be brought joy through using our, our product. Did you, when you changed your influencers and, and made that whole influencer core more inclusive, uh, did you see an, an uptick in, in um, um, you, you know, people, uh, people's response in sales and in likes and in all the things that we now look to today to see if we're if we're relevant or more relevant than we were before. For sure, I think one of the places where we see um, the most uptick is actually like moms dyeing their kids' hair, That's and it's really interesting because um, we have an influencer that I I'm just totally obsessed with how she dyes her hair and how she dyes her daughter's hair. And her daughter is naturally blonde and she's probably about seven-ish. And uh, they just have so much fun with color at home. And she uses all different colors, tons of different colors at a time. And uh, we have 
it's some of our highest performing posts from an engagement standpoint. But then when you read through the comments, the comments are really like either really, really positive or really negative about dyeing your daughter's hair. Mm. And I always found that so interesting because one, it's not like she's bleaching her daughter's hair. Her daughter is naturally blonde. So she's not using any harsh chemicals or anything. Uh, our hair dye is non-damaging. It's semi-permanent. It's an ultra conditioning formula. It's not going to damage your hair. Uh, so why not let your kids have fun and express themselves the way that they want to express themselves? And when you see her daughter's face after her colored hair transformation, she's so happy. <laughs> so uh, to me, it was always like how how the negative sentiment around such a joyous moment mm. existed, I, I never quite understood, especially when you have that education that our product is not damaging hair. Right, right. But I think that was like my one of my most interesting moments where I was like this, I mean, we all know like the social space is tough and like people love to hate um, in, in that world, but those by far were like my, our most engaging posts that we've done today. Wow, wow, that's very, very cool. Um, did you always wanna be a CEO and run a brand? That's a really good question. I actually, <laughs> I actually didn't, I, I didn't know. I, I really didn't. So when I started at Kiehl's, like I definitely knew that I wanted to grow my career and that I wanted a broader uh, marketing role. So going from e-commerce and digital marketing, I pivoted into retail marketing and then into brand and retail marketing. And that's really because I, I didn't want to be pigeonholed as just an e-commerce talent mm -hmm. at L'Oreal. Like I really wanted a more broad experience, which lent itself to the body shop. And at the body shop, I... I honestly thought that I would probably go to like a more corporate, like instead of working in a market, working on, you know, the international team or something like that. I didn't necessarily think that I would be the general manager of the U.S. market. And uh, when the opportunity presented itself, I, I was obviously like super excited about it and really, uh, really jazzed to do it, but it was just, it was presented to me earlier than I ever thought it could happen in my career, if that makes sense. So that's yeah. why I don't think my mind like really could envision that just yet. Um, and then as I got that general manager experience, then I definitely wanted to be a CEO because at, when you go from like a head of marketing role to a general manager, you're, you're already collecting all the functions mm, yeah. and, you know, working really cross-functionally and starting to understand how different departments operate and how different teams operate. So from there, that's where the excitement grew to become a CEO. But I, I also always thought in my career that I would go back to a smaller startup environment. Mm, okay. So and while I, I loved like working in the big companies, um, my personality and the way that I work and the way that I like to work is more geared for startup world. And I really liked that time at the beginning of my career. I like being a jack of all trades. I like putting my hands in a lot of pots. Mm -hmm. So what do you credit your ability to, to climb the ladder so quickly? I mean, like, you, you know, you, what did you 
what opportunities did you see? Did you feel like, did you just outwork everybody else? Did you do that as well as, um, you know, link up with some mentors? Uh, what, what do you credit that, that success? I would kind of say it's all of the above. Mm. I mean, and it's also like being right place, right time, you know, a lot. And I, I think the way that I've always looked at my career path is um, being really open to opportunities as they come and as, as they're presented to you, uh, because that's kind of how I've landed up in the right place at the right time for different roles that I never expected. So I think it's like an openness to opportunity, opportunities that come your way and really like thinking broader about them because I come from skincare also. And I've been in skincare for years and years. So when the long term opportunity presented itself, it's hair and makeup. It's a totally different category right. than I've ever worked on with beauty. Mm -hmm. And to me, those new experiences are really, really interesting. Same way I never wanted to be pigeonholed as an e-commerce only talent. I never want to be pigeonholed as a skincare only talent. Right. So I think it's thinking really broad about your career and also like taking some bets. So I think a lot of people have an aversion to like moving laterally for a different role. Right. And I, I particularly saw this in my like larger company experience that people's expectations were that every single move had to be a change in title. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's not realistic. And I don't think that you're like really broadening your skill set if that's how you think, because you're limiting yourself from a lot of opportunities. So I took some lateral moves. So like I went from being a VP of e-com to a VP of retail marketing, totally lateral move. Right. But it gave me a totally different skill set. Yeah. And I think it's collecting those different skill sets and being really open to the, the opportunities as they come your way that pave the, the, the future for your career. Wow. No, that, that's, uh, I think that is really key. Like you said, so many people really, we look at it as next that I got to get up to that next rung instead of realizing that going sideways left or right might um, actually give you more of a skill set that makes you jump that rung to another rung. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you know. exactly. That's and then, I mean, I've definitely, I've worked some, for some incredible people along the way that have always been really, really supportive of me and great sounding boards as opportunities came my way that I could really bounce ideas off of. And I think once you find those people that you trust, hold on to them, stay in touch with them. And no, like it doesn't need to be like a consistent every single day I have to text or call you. But knowing who you can like get advice from that has been there and done it before has always been really helpful for me. Yeah, very much so. Um, what innovative products are you currently developing at Lion Crime? Is there anything that you can share with us, uh, you know, here in, uh, in Vendo world? I mean, sure, there's a lot of stuff happening in there right now. So um, our goal at Lime Farm is to be the brand that gives you everything that you need to dye your hair or color your hair, however you want to at home. So there's lots of stuff that's being uh, added into our hair category to really complete that and also for people that are afraid of bleaching or don't want 
you know, purple hair for two to three weeks based on how you care for your hair once it's colored, giving you a more temporary option has been top of mind for us. So I'm very excited about one of our product launches that's happening in a couple of months um, to give you more of like that one night wash in, wash out yeah. type of color. And also like, I think it's a great way for people to sample the product. Uh, granted, it's a different, it's a different kind of product, but to sample do I like having green hair? Do I like having blue hair? Right. You know, it, it gives you a much more risk-free way of trying that out for a night or two. Yeah, for so. sure. That sounds like somebody such as myself who I don't want to bleach, but I'll try a little color every now and then just to be crazy for a night. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're, uh, I'm very excited about a product launch that's happening in that space. And then in makeup, tons of stuff is going on. Um, we're moving a lot of our formulas to make them cleaner. We're moving, and also in hair for packaging, we're moving a lot of things into PCR packaging and FSC wow. cardins. So yeah. we're on like a, a, a path to cleaner, sustainable uh, formulas and packaging, which has been really, really exciting. So there's lots of stuff coming up around that. Um, I'm obsessed with an eye launch that's coming out in May, super colorful, so much fun. Our, our creative team has done an amazing job on packaging and innovation in that space this year. So there's lots of um, really cool packaging coming out. And then our PD team has been working on some amazing stuff for holiday. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm so excited about 2022 for this brand. There's uh, also like lots of glittery things. No, glittery right. things. You're always fun. <laughs> yeah. Lots of blitz and glam. So you guys um, internationally, you entered into China. Uh, you you have a distributor there. Are you in other uh, countries besides China? And, and if so, which, which countries? Or if not, where, where do you plan on going? Yeah, so it's actually interesting because China, we're not, China, we have our own long farm team in Shanghai. So we don't work with a distributor anymore. The original model was through a distributor and we saw so much success in that market that uh, a Chinese private equity firm invested in Lime Crime a couple of years ago. We built out a Lime Crime China team and that team is part of our team and solely focused on driving the China business. Amazing. So that's been really exciting. And that happened right as I started at Lime Crime to add like another piece to my COVID yeah. puzzle. Uh, <laughs> So in, in China, we have a couple of people that solely focus on that market. And then we're in the UK, we're in Italy and Germany, and um, we have a, a, a pretty large business in the EU and also in the Middle East. Wonderful. Um, Andrew, just to you know, end this, I would love to just hear, you were talking earlier about you know, communicating with people who have helped you along the way. And, and what what is the, uh, is there one or two things that you learned along the way from somebody who um, who you reach out to for advice um, that you hold near and dear and, and, and that you open it up whenever you, you need to? Is it, what are those one or two uh, gems that, that you keep close to you of advice? Yeah, so actually, the, the broadness piece of my career was through someone who worked in talent at L'Oreal. 
and um, she's amazing. And she's she's still at L'Oreal, and she she always met with talent all over the organization, across all divisions and all levels. And she was the one who always said, you know, you're you can't think about your career as a ladder. You need to think about like the fatness of your career. And like, yeah. instead of thinking about it like this, thinking about it like this is <laughs> what she says. It's a direct quote. So uh, that's that's where I always pulled that piece of information from. And, uh, you know, through working at L'Oreal and through working at Natura, I, I was definitely blessed with working for people that had lots of experience across a whole bunch of different organizations. And um, the president that I worked for at Kiehl's, he always, uh, he was very brand focused. Mm. So for him, navigating his career was always about finding the right brand that he could really tap his skill sets and his strengths. And he always, as I explored different opportunities in my career, it was the piece of advice he always gave me. And granted, like my brands look very different than his brands. Mm. So like he's Chanel, yeah. he was Kiehl's, like he was, he's all of that. And I'm, uh, I'm, you can tell I'm at long time. It's a totally yeah. different kind of brand, yeah. but it's always, um, as I think about the brand that I'm going to, I always tap into that advice about thinking about the brand and how it matches like who you are mm -hmm. and how you can bring your own strengths into that brand and tap into, you know, the person that you are, especially as a CEO running the organization, you didn't make sure that you're aligned with what that brand stands for. Yeah. And so uh, that's another piece of feedback that I've always considered as I go to different brands. Amazing. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for sharing your, your experience, um, sharing your history and the success that you've had with Lime Crime with, with us. Um, looking forward to continuing to work with you and your team and having, like you said, just an incredible 2022. Folks, this has been Andrea Blyden, CEO of Lime Crime. Thank you for joining us and watching us here. Thank you.